This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine. But they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. Yeah, Biden's approval is historically low. Why everybody, is that? Everybody, everybody, we're all, everybody's approval across the spectrum. You find exceptions to that. Look, it's been hard globally the last six, seven years. But again, America stands tall with a tentpole of the world economy. No peers economically. Again, a masterclass of delivering. The economy is booming. Inflation is cooling. And of course, the economic strategies this president put together were all things Republicans dreamt of, but never delivered. He's delivered. That is Gavin Newsom, who's talking about how the economy is booming. I'm so glad to hear that because that's not the reality I'm living. I like that reality better. Stephen Moore is on the phone with us. Stephen, how are you doing? Hey, Ryan. Good to be with you. Distinguished fellow in economics at Heritage with us every Monday. I'm filling in for Annie. Annie has a sick kid, so now you're caught up. Uh, Newsom, <laughs> uh, Newsom is, uh, is, is living in a world that I would like to be living in, Stephen. Right. Well, it's, it's so ironic that uh, Gavin Newsom is the economic spokesperson now for the Biden administration since the, uh, the economy of California has collapsed. I mean, it is a state where... Um, you know, they could lose four congressional seats at the end of this decade. So many people are moving out. That would be the first time ever that's happened in California. So California is um, losing billions and billions of dollars by uh, driving people out with their high taxes. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to make California a place that people want to move from. You know? yeah. I mean, it's beautiful weather, beautiful mountains. And, and so he's been a total disaster. They have a homeless problem. They have an illegal immigration problem. They won't control their borders. And um, and the economy is contracting. They have a large budget deficit. So, you know, this is this is hardly the kind of person you would want to be telling you how wonderful the economy is 
given uh, the problems that uh, that they've seen in California. And meanwhile, look, the economy is better, no question. It's, it's improved a lot in the last year. But people are still half of Americans are still poorer today than they were when Biden came into office. And that tends to be the people at the bottom of half of the uh, income spectrum. So if uh, if Biden wants to take credit for that, he can have at it. Yeah, it's a little surprising that he is touting Bidenomics when I'm looking at a USA Today story right now, not exactly a right-leaning publication. Right. It says a new study exposes the finances of Americans. Most Americans can't handle a $1,000 emergency expense, which means that, right. and it says roughly half of Americans, if they had a $1,000 emergency come up, they couldn't handle it. So it's they go further into debt. Well, we know that, yeah. by the way, because, you know, credit card debt is, is now $1.1 trillion for the first time in history. So people are, people are uh, having to borrow more and more money just to pay their normal bills. And that's because the price of food is up about 22%. The price of gas is up 30%. The cost of mortgage is up 40%. Yeah, computer costs are down and, uh, you know, iPhone costs are down. But the things that people have to buy, the necessities, those are substantially higher, even though inflation has come down. I want to give uh, you know Biden some credit. The inflation rate did hit 9.1% in his first 18 months. Now we're at about 35 to 4% inflation. But that still means... The prices are rising every month. It's just they're not rising as fast as they were. Yeah, Stephen Moore, I think I've heard you say this, and I, I've read it elsewhere, too, about Americans' credit card debt. You know, we're more in debt, I think, than we've ever been before. Is that well, there's only one person that's more in debt than, than we are, and that's Uncle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a trillion-dollar credit card debt. Like Uncle Sam has a $34.2 trillion credit card debt. So, you know, it's, it's contagious. So when we see that uh, Americans are in all this debt, you know, and, and at the end of the year, I remember seeing a lot of stories about how oh, economists predicted a recession for 2023 and we didn't get one. Is it kind of the, is that kind of what's delayed things that people have said, well, I want to keep my my standard of living the way it is. So I'm just going to keep going into the debt. But at some point that has to give, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, you know, debts have to be repaid. We're not like the federal government. We actually have to pay our debts back. And so um, I think you're exactly right that it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's better. But I think people look back at how things were under Trump. I mean, let's not forget that when Trump was president, we had the biggest boom ever. <laughs> Remember, until COVID hit, you know, he was headed to winning a, a, a you know, a record landslide re-election and COVID changed everything. By the way, he also said in his speech Biden the other day that I took over in a disaster. No, he didn't. The economy was actually starting to improve. And we had the vaccine, remember? That was thanks to Operation Warp Speed. But I love Biden trying to take credit for the things that that Trump did. And then anything that went wrong under him, it's Trump's fault. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. That's been from day (laughs) one. Stephen Moore, Distinguished Fellow in Economics at Heritage on the phone with us. So uh, as we've been, you've been around a little longer than I have, but I, I've never seen in my lifetime such a difference between administrations. You know, that yeah. it always seems like a president takes over and then you kind of have this lag period. But it was so instant, the difference, not just in the economy, with so many other things, too, between Trump and Biden, yeah. that if we were to see them run against each other again, you know, this Americans have uh, you don't have to have a long term memory to remember how different these two four years have been. Well, that's true. In fact, I just saw President Trump about the, right before Christmas, so about a month ago, and uh, I presented him with all the data on the economy and all the things that have gone, uh, you know, and just compared what happened under Trump versus what happened to Biden. 
and it's uh, it's a night and day, you know, scenario. It's unbel- I mean, almost every statistic that you want to look at was better under Trump than it is under Biden in some cases by a massive amount. Stephen Moore, when you talk to the former president, is that something that he is going to make a linchpin to his 2024 <laughs> well, election campaign? It. I mean, it seems like it would be. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he, I mean, I showed him these charts and he was just he couldn't believe it. Now, look, the, the um, you know, you look at, for example, interest rates. Let me just give an example. So the mortgage today is about six and a half percent. You know, it was under Trump. Two point nine percent. I remember. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, and how about this one? I mean, the illegal immigration, the monthly numbers. Did you see they just did a data dump? Uh, the border control people, all time high illegal border crosses, crossings last month. All time high. Never before in American history have we had more illegal immigrants entering our country. Incredible. I'm looking at a poll right now, and I don't know if this is the kind of stuff that is a direct result of the economy or or even the border, but it says polls show that Trump's strength with Latinos is at an all-time high to the point where Trump actually has a lead with Latino voters for the first time ever. Is that a surprise to you? Uh, no, I think it's attributable to two things. Number one, you know, uh, what Hispanics care most about, because they're hardworking people, they they don't collect welfare, they get, you know, they work hard, they do the so much of the grunt work in this country. I mean, I'm in such admiration for the immigrants who come into this country legally, legally, and do it the right way and work their butts off. So, you know, they want an honest pay for an honest day's work. And when they see the inflation rate go up, they they get creamed by that. The second thing that, you know, about Hispanics is they're not into all this LNG crap and all this climate change crap. That That's the playground of rich whites. What they care about is their paycheck, about their safety of their cities, about whether their businesses can succeed and uh, and crime. All these things redound to the benefit of Republicans because Trump did solve all those problems. And so, you know, the Hispanic and the black poverty rate in the United States was lowest in recorded under Donald J. Trump. Did you know that? I know that he talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and, wait, I'm not done. And the unemployment rate for blacks and Hispanics was the lowest ever recorded. And yet the left goes around saying he's a racist. Does that sound like the policy of a racist? (laughs) No, it sure doesn't. It sure doesn't. Stephen Moore, I know that we had you just for a short time this Monday, so we won't keep you any longer, but we always appreciate your hits here on the Andy Fry Show on Mondays. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I hope that I have a great talking to you, and I hope that Annie's back next week. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she will be. So thanks for your time, Stephen Moore. Distinguished fellow at, of economics at Heritage, and of course his book is GovZilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedom, at Stephen Moore on Twitter. Brad, I was looking at a couple more economic stories, yeah. and one of them that caught my attention, as somebody who, who buys rental properties, I've seen this happen too. And if you're, if you're not renting, and I don't know what percentage of, of the people listening to mm-hmm. this show would be homeowners versus home renters, but... The rental prices across the U.S., I'm looking at the story right now, it says soaring rental prices across the U.S., leading to a rise in homelessness at yeah, this point. for sure. It has gotten so outrageous. I've tried to just sort of keep pace as a landlord mm-hmm. with the economy, and I'll tell you the truth. I mean, this isn't necessarily just about me, but when I set a price for a place, I will find the most average kind of middle of the road. I'm not trying to go real high. I'm just trying to find the the median, price it there, 
and get a good family into a home who's going to take care of a place. Mm -hmm. If they do, I never touch it. Right. And that's the idea. Not that this is about me, but I I just to see in two years that median price that I shoot for go up so dramatically of course this is going to be the outcome for lower income. Well, the thing that people don't consider is, is how much, A, the price of property has gone up over the past, what, three years? It's skyrocketed. Everybody knows that. Everybody sees yeah. it. So the price of property has gone up. That for means, residential. For residential. That yeah. means that people, there is a high demand for people wanting property and there wasn't as much property to go around. So that has skyrocketed. But then you tack on to that the interest rate spiking because the the um, inflation had gone up and the Fed wanted to cool inflation. The interest rates spike. Well, that drives up mortgage rates. So not only are you paying, is your mortgage rate going to go up because you got to pay a bigger amount of money on the principal? You also have to pay a higher rate of interest. So that makes the payments higher. So yeah. the people that are out there that are landlords like yourself, and I don't know if you buy on credit or if you buy on cash or however, that's you know, that's up to you to decide however you do that. Oh no, but we're taking loans. If you're taking a loan so, out, if you're going to rent that property, you have to have that loan amount covered. covered. Yeah, there's there, there's so, only so much you can do. So whenever the loan and the mortgage rates go up for the landlords, that means that rent has to go up to cover their costs because landlords don't do this. Like just out of the goodness of their heart, there is a, a it's profit. a business. Yeah, there's a profit scheme in there, and it's okay to make profit. Yes, and, and that's the pro. And, but and I'm I get that we're dealing with people, so I always like to remember, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, this isn't just uh, you know, it's not dollars and cents only. These are also people's lives yes. that you're impacting here. So I like to be very fair. But you're right. It's just like I've heard this about gas stations. When the cost of oil goes up, the cost of gas goes up. Mm-hmm. When the cost of gas goes up. You have a smaller margin of percent that you can charge because you can't – there's only so much control you have over the pump. Mm-hmm. If you own a small gas station, yeah. for instance, and it's it's very much based on the price of gasoline, usually futures, which yeah. is a whole different story. But you can't make a whole lot of money on just the gas pump because it is what it is. Yeah. And that's the way so much of the economy is that everything, when it goes up, your local bakery, you know, they're charging now – a dollar fifty to two bucks for a regular donut when they used to charge a buck or less because all their ingredients are more. Well, their ingredients are more because if you look at the price of gas going up, it costs more to get the ingredients to the store. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it all snowballs, and and it's amazing to me that people don't understand. Like, and and I, I this is kind of how I feel about the Biden administration and his surrogates out there talking about how great the economy is. It's like I think you'd be better off just spitting in people's faces, and that would be less insulting because it's like, hey, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you pay your rent and you get your groceries and then you don't have any money left. It's not that bad. Look at the stock market. It's over 33,000. People don't care about that. They care about their pocketbook. And that's exactly what yep. he's saying. Yep. He's saying, "Look what we've done. Here's some numbers for you to consider." Yeah. In the meantime, people are going, "I'm still broke." It's everything that I can do to put food on my table. All the stuff that's been happening over the last couple of years, how come you weren't talking about that because that's what I'm experiencing now? Yeah. One clip quickly before we get to a break from Janet Yellen. Well, I think most um, Americans know that pri- prices um, are not likely to fall. It's not the Fed's objective to um, try to push the level of prices back to where they were. So all you can you can talk about all the numbers you want. Stephen Moore was just on acknowledging, hey, things are moving in the right direction now. Uh, inflation is down from 9.1 yeah. percent to now 3.5 ish percent. 
which is still a little higher than usual. year over year. But the point is that everybody's going, why does this car cost so much? Why does my rent cost so much? Why are these groceries so much? And if you just sit there and yell at them that what they're experiencing isn't real, yeah, you sound more out of touch than if you had just said nothing. Oh, man, inflation stacks. It's year over year. So it's th- up 3% from where it was last year at this time. So whenever they say that number, you go, oh, inflation's only 3%. No, 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 no. It's up 3%. But if you go back five or six years, you've got to add the inflation on on top of that, which means that if you actually want prices to go down, you need negative inflation. But they'll go on TV and they'll go, hey, inflation is dropping fast. And yeah. what they want you to confuse that with is prices. They know that prices are not dropping fast. That was the secretary. That was the uh, um, Treasury secretary right there acknowledging most Americans know prices are not likely to fall. Yeah. And that's, they know that. That's her saying we're not going to be able to lower these prices. It ain't going to happen. So I, the messaging is just shocking to me that they have so little to say and so little to tout because they've got the megaphones to do it and they have nothing to say. Here's your megaphone. Say something coherent that Americans are going to listen yeah. to. You're wrong. <laughs> you don't. You're, what yeah. you're feeling isn't real. Thank you very much for the interview. We'll see you next time. The economy is great. (laughs) Speaking of interviews, uh, we got another great one coming up from Robert Law, who's been on the show before. He's the director of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration at America First Policy Institute. We're going to talk about all this Texas stuff that's, at the end of last week, it was the story. And I mean, people were yelling like civil war. And now it's Monday and people are like, oh, what's in the news today? Something different. Well, we're going to talk about that with uh, Robert Law coming up next here on the Annie Fry Show, 97.1 FM Talk. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
when you lie under oath to Congress, Brian, that that is impeachable. And that's what Alejandro Mayorkas has done. And not only that, but he's violated the Immigration and Nationality Act uh, seven, eight times over. And these articles spell that out uh, in specificity. Right now, it looks like there's one or two Republicans that are wavering. So we should, I think it will pass. I, I really do, because Mark, Chairman Mark Green, my good friend from the Homeland Security Committee, has done an exceptional job here. And, you know, the proof's in the pudding. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas has perjured himself. He's putting Americans in danger. I mean, opioid deaths have doubled uh, under the Biden administration. And that's hundreds of thousands of American lives at stake here. So we, I think we must go forward. It's our constitutional duty to do so. That's Representative Pat Fallon, Republican from Texas, talking about what we're about to talk about with Robert Law. He's the director of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration at America First Policy Institute. Robert, thanks for being here. Yeah, happy to be on with you today. I'm filling in for Annie. My name is Ryan. It's been kind of a last-minute uh, substitution with her having a sick kid right before the show started. So uh, I do want to talk with you about what Republicans have done, which is they've released articles imp- of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas over the southern border. Fill us in on what that means. So this is the formal step for the House of Representatives to begin the, the process of removing Secretary Mayorkas uh, from his position as the Secretary of, of Homeland Security. Uh, this builds off of months of investigations, formal public congressional hearings, uh, and other um, you know document requests and other behind-the-scenes efforts as well that goes to show that really what's happening at the southern border, it's not because Secretary Mayorkas is incompetent. Uh, it's because everything is deliberate, it is intentional, and it is unlawful. And at the end of the day, his refusal to uphold the oath that he uh, has sworn is a dereliction of duty and subjects him to uh, possible impeachment. So this is something that's been going on for quite a while, and now we're actually seeing some some movement on it. Uh, Robert, what you know is this something that is is mainly for getting attention onto the border? Because I don't think that it goes to the Senate, and then they probably don't actually remove him. But then we get to see a lot of him on record having to defend what he's done, right? Well, I think that's right. You know, and, you know, we'll see what happens in the Senate. Um, But, you know, the first step is the House. And at the end of the day, the House of Representatives is the people's house. And they have a responsibility uh, to ensure that the interests of the American people are are represented. And and so going forward with impeachment is the proper mechanism here. You know, uh, there's only been one instance of a cabinet official uh, impeached in our entire nation's history. Well, what we have going on at the southern border is an unprecedented border humanitarian and security crisis. Uh, and so, therefore, unprecedented actions are necessary. Uh, for over the last three years, Mayorkas has had every opportunity to pivot, to reverse course, to utilize all of the policies that the Trump administration had put in place. And they, instead of doing that, they continue to double down because this is what they want to happen. And so the recourse has to be impeachment. Uh, Robert Law on the phone with us, director of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration, American First Policy Institute. Robert, we were just talking with Stephen Moore in the last segment about the economy. And the amazing thing is, I, I don't know that I've seen this really happen very often. Usually the economy is always top of the list, especially in election year, for what voters care about. But at this moment, immigration has overtaken the economy as far as what most Americans are saying this is their number one issue which means it's not just Republicans yelling this is a problem. This is an American problem now. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. And the, the reality of the border crisis, which, you know, month after month after month is setting all of the wrong records, has literally converted every state into a border state. So this is not just Governor Abbott and, you know, Texans having to deal with it at the at the Rio Grande. These illegal aliens, we're, we're talking when you include the gotaways, the people who completely avoided and evaded the Border Patrol, about 10 million illegal aliens have crossed the border one way or the other uh, over the last three years. And they are going to every single community in this country, and many of them are draining resources. They are taking over housing, schools. You saw in New York City where you know American students were forced to do the remote learning that completely failed them during COVID uh, in order for illegal aliens to take over their school uh, to sleep in. You see uh, overtime being cut for law enforcement in order to pay for housing, feeding, clothing, illegal aliens. It's impacting, uh, you know, the American people in their day-to-day lives and in their their wallets as well. Um, so it's not surprising that this issue is front and center. And this is exactly what the administration was trying to avoid, which is why they were trying to hide the optics of it. They don't actually view what's going on as a problem. It's just a political issue for them. And they don't want the accountability. Yeah, Robert, this is, you know, we're news. So we hear the big news stories and we talk about the big numbers and the figures and this impeachment and all of this. But it's when you talk to people, you know, right around here, I know a couple of people who are in school administrations, for instance. Um, we're very connected to the school world here. We're all married to teachers and stuff. But we have friends who are part of different administrations and things in this St. Louis area. And I, I'm hearing that. Um, even St. Louis area schools. Now we're landlocked. We are right in the middle of the country. We are not a border city or we're not a border state that they're having to deal with so many illegal immigrants who don't speak English that they can't really figure out what to do with them in the school systems, even in our area. And that it's impacting classrooms because then of course, if the teacher doesn't know how to speak Spanish, they don't really know what to do with, with kids who can't understand them. I mean, it's all these little issues that this is causing. It's not just the big headlines ones. It's, it's all over the country, right? Oh, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, the, the schools are really ground zero of those downstream effects of an unsecure Southern border because illegal alien children are going into these schools. Uh, there's a misguided Supreme court case from decades ago that allows for this to happen. Um, and I'm hopeful that maybe some states will be willing to, to bring uh, some sort of litigation to, to challenge that. But, you know, these teachers did not sign up to, to be ESL instructors dealing with kids who don't know our language, don't know our culture, don't know our history. Some of whom maybe have never been in a formal classroom setting before, you know, it, it's a distraction and it, it draws down attention from, you know, American students who are already struggling. You see record lows in our critical math and, uh, you know, English writing skills that uh, nationwide, uh, this continues to, to harm Americans. And then there's other downstream effects. Your weight in the hospitals and emergency rooms increase because illegal aliens traditionally show up at the emergency room for even routine care because you can't turn them away. That increases your wait time. And then very often, these illegal aliens will then skip out on the bill, which then puts the hospitals and, and the American people inevitably on the hook down the line for it. Uh, so, again, it's not just raw numbers coming across the border. They're coming across the border. They're going to every single state in the country. And there is a negative impact on many different aspects of day-to-day life. 
Uh, Robert, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine probably a couple years ago now about the drug impact that this was having over the border. I would say this is probably about a year into Biden's term, and he's he's not exactly a drug hardliner. I think he he he's probably more libertarian where he's like, look, all this stuff is a little bit overblown. We need to be much more lax on drug laws, things like that. That's where he comes from. At the time, he was saying, you know, it's a little overblown, the uh, the amount of drugs supposedly coming into the, into the country. I think Republicans are making a bigger deal out of that. Even recently, though, he has had to admit, yeah, I think that that actually has changed. And, and it is a much bigger issue with opioids and fentanyl. I mean, these these are causing so many American deaths that it really is a health crisis now. Oh, it absolutely is. Fentanyl poisoning is the number one uh, leading cause of death of young Americans age 18 to 45. I mean, we are literally losing a generation of Americans because of our failure uh, to secure our southern border. And when you hear this administration uh, peddle lies that says, oh, 90 percent of fentanyl comes through the ports of entry and it's largely American citizens that are doing it, that, that's false. What they are talking about is what they are catching. And of course, you're going to catch most of it at the ports because that's where you have a controlled environment. You have all the scanners. You have the drug dogs. That's a, that's a controlled environment. You'd expect there to be lots of apprehensions of drugs and other, um, you know, illicit substances there. What they are not telling you is that as the Border Patrol is overwhelmed dealing with large scale illegal immigration, that opens up large gaps of the border that is not being patrolled. And that's when the cartels and the smuggling entities are sneaking, you know, very bad actors, our national security threats, our public safety threats, and fentanyl as well. And that is exactly why it is the leading cause of death. If they were catching so much of it and stopping it from coming into the American communities, this wouldn't be the number one killer of 18 to 45 year olds. It's so sad what we've even allowed Mexico to become in the midst of all this, because if you were a, a, a just a citizen of Mexico uh, watching what's happened over the last four years where drug cartels have always been a problem, but now it's as if they control entire areas of the country, especially near the border. Man, I would be really upset with the Biden administration if I were the average Mexican citizen. Uh, let me ask you about the battle that was you know, taking place last week. I don't think it's really gone anywhere, but I don't feel like people are talking about it as much today as they were on Friday. The battle between Texas and and the Biden administration. What is the latest? Because all I heard on Friday was that Biden might have blinked on this thing, but where does it stand? Yeah, so right now um, what happened was the Supreme Court ruled uh, last week that the Biden administration was allowed to take down the, the concertina wire, kind of like a barbed wire material that, that state officials in Texas had put up to help secure the border that the Biden administration is not doing. Um, but to, to your point of has the Biden administration blinked as of right now, uh, the Border Patrol has come out and said they have no intention of doing so. And so you've sort of had this standoff where, you know, Governor Abbott said, I'm going to keep putting this up. And you had a number of other governors come out and pledge their support that they would bring other personnel and other resources to help Texas in this effort. Uh, and really the criticism that Abbott has received by apologists of open borders is saying that, you know, Governor Abbott is defying the Supreme Court. Well, that is not true. Just to be very clear, all the Supreme Court said was that the Biden administration was allowed to take it down. There was nothing that said that Texas couldn't keep putting it up. So if Texas wants to put it up on Monday morning, and the Biden administration comes in and takes it down on Monday afternoon, Texas can turn right back around 
and put it back up again. You can continue to do this game day after day after day. Um, and I think when you saw the sort of this add-on effect of so many governors from all across the country, although notably not the governor of Arizona, who actually does represent a border state, not getting on board with this, he said, are we really going to have the optics of Border Patrol agents cutting down um, you know, effective border security systems? Um, and as of right now, we seem to be in a holding pattern. The case is still being litigated in the Fifth Circuit. Um, but, you know, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And again, I think look at who is not signaling their support for what Texas is doing. And I think that goes to show that if you're not going to be with Texas on this, you are complicit with the Biden administration's ineffective policies. You are complicit with human trafficking and you are complicit with the cartels. Yeah. Robert Law, director of the Center of Homeland Security and Immigration at the American First Policy Institute. Last question for you before we run out of time here. This idea that the Biden administration keeps floating that, man, we would take care of the border. We really want to. We just don't have the money. Please give us the money in this next budget and we'll finally do something about it. I don't know anybody who's looking at that and going, well, that's realistic. But but how how what is exactly what are they asking for money to do exactly? Right. So that's where the devil's in the details. They want money to process illegal aliens faster. So what, the problem that we have at the border, it is not a resources issue. There's not enough money in the world that can solve the problem if you do not change policies. So when they say we need more money and it's Congress's fault, they're lying. They want money to speed up processing, releasing illegal aliens into American communities faster. What they don't want to do is put in place deterrent policies. And so now you have the Senate border deal being discussed and President Biden has said he would sign it. And if only he had this, he could secure the border. That is also not true. There are a number of authorities that already exist in law, things that President Trump used very successfully that Biden undid on day one, and he continues to refuse to use it today. So there's not another law that needs to be passed and not another dollar that needs to be spent at the border until the policies using existing law are actually put back into effect. You know, Robert, I said that was the last question, but I lied. I got one more for you. How quickly could either this president, Biden, or President Trump, day one, should that happen? How quickly could they change this constant flow of illegal illegal immigration would it take a little time or could they do it like that it would be pretty instantaneous at the border itself there's a number of authorities including what's known as 212s where you can basically turn people away at the border um, deny people entry on that you know it would probably take a, i think it would take a couple of weeks to restart the remain in mexico policy but the infrastructure is already in place from the trump administration the hardest part is going to be how do you remove all of the millions of legal aliens that have been allowed into the country. That'll take a little bit more uh, effort, but I think you would have, uh, you know, an America first administration that would try to use as a force multiplier state and local law enforcement personnel uh, to start ramping that up as well. But again, you have to stop the flow first. Uh, that could happen uh, very quickly. You just need to have the political will to do so. Robert Law is the director of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration at America First Policy Institute. The website is AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Robert, appreciate your time here on a Monday. Yep, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you, too. So if you want to find out any more about that, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Robert Law, we've had him on the show a couple times, I, I do believe. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to talk about polling if you will indulge me in just a moment. Brad, I'm sort of asking for 
your I am permission <laughs> for this, but I've got this article that I've been kind of sitting on for a couple weeks now. I didn't really know how to get into it, but there, there's so much polling right now. I haven't seen some some good battleground state polling since the primary started. Okay. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that I haven't seen more out of the battleground state polling. But there is this one that I mentioned with Stephen Moore. If you weren't listening, you'll find out what that is next. It's kind of a shocking poll. It'll be next here on the Andy Fry Show. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, Brad, I went down a rabbit hole here when I started looking at this poll because there's so much to it that it's amazing to see okay. multiple outlets reporting the same thing. Let's reset the, the table. This poll is from where? I'm not going to tell you yet. That was a great intro, but I'm going to take a pass. Ugh. Because it starts with it starts with a story that says Univision, which, of course, is like the premier Spanish language mm-hmm. network. Univision mm-hmm. cozies up to Trump in the United States, proving the Latino vote is very much at play in 2024. They go into that a little bit more. They say one of the strange twists in U.S. politics has been the remaking of the GOP from the party of the corporate executive in the 1980s to the party of Americans who drive nails, as in working class. Donald Trump's Republican Party is decidedly more working class, and that has drawn especially Latino men, this article says. This is from Yahoo, by the way. Yahoo is not pro-Trump, if you're not Mm -hmm. aware. It says, Latino, quote, Latinos tended to favor Democrat presidential candidates over Republican ones, but Latino men surprised pundits by more strongly supporting Donald Trump in 2020 than was expected based on his 2016 showing. University of Arizona political scientist Lisa M. Sanchez said in a Q&A with the article here. So that led me to look at the polling. Yeah. Now to answer your question, who did this polling? USA Today slash Suffolk University and a different poll from CNBC All-America Economic Survey. Okay. Two different ones. Two, you know, pretty well-known ones, too. Both found that Trump has a five-point lead now with Latino voters. This is the first time in our lifetimes, maybe beyond that, I don't even know how long they've been polling specifically Latino voters, but at least in our lifetime, this is the first time that we have ever seen a Republican with a lead among this demographic. Okay. This is very, very significant because I can't tell you what the numbers were in 2016. It was quoting those. It was talking about how in 2016 he got a certain share, and usually that had been around 30% to 35%. Yes. In 2020, it went up by, I think, 10 to 15%. But not 50 yet. 
at this point, they say if the election were held today, Trump would take 55% of the Latino vote. Okay. That is a massive shift in the electorate. And it could have big, big impacts on not just this election, but future elections. Well, that's the sort of thing that would sink an entire party for a generation. It would. Let me read from the story here. It says, this was not the direction the WAGs expected nascent Latino voters to lead the country toward. The champion of disaffected... Remember, this Mm -hmm. is Yahoo. Mm -hmm. They're not writing about it like they're glad. Uh, Toward the champion of disaffected white America to the man who promised to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. Latinos at the moment support a politician who began his 2016 presidential run referring to illegal immigrants as... They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people, unquote. That is Donald Trump. The Latino electorate is moving away from the aggrieved immigrant narrative (laughs) favored by Democrats. Because you know this, Democrats have painted all Latino voters as aggrieved migrants. Yes. And that is not who these people are. Fake news. Yeah. If you are an actual Latino American... And maybe you've been here for generations or maybe you've been here for one generation. You're looking at the Democrats right now going, stop telling me that I'm that. Yeah. Stop telling me I should feel this way. Yes. And that is happening across other other demographics (laughs) as well. That's kind of funny that you mentioned. Stop telling me I should feel this way. It's like you people stop feeling like you're losing economically and you people over there start feeling oppressed. (laughs) That's exactly right. Uh, They interviewed this guy, Mike Madrid. In a, uh, he wrote an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times. He's a longtime Republican strategist, former political director for the California Republican Party, and co-founder of the Lincoln Project. So we're not oh, there talking. You go. <laughs> we're not talking about a hard right guy here, and he's no friend to Trump. He says, "Quote: Biden, who is polling lower among Latinos than any other modern Democrat presidential candidate has at this point, can ill afford to lose any more of the Latino vote." Well, here's the thing, and and. Like you, you touched on this to begin with. Has anybody stopped to ask Latino voters what is important to Latino voters? The like, best. Yeah, go ahead. Like, has anybody just said, hey, what are the items that are important to you? Like, does socially conservative items matter to you? Issues matter to you? Like, is it important to you that you're you have rights as a parent over your child? Is that something that's important to you? Uh, is letting in illegal immigrants because, you know, they're the same. They're Latino, too. Does that matter to you? That's exactly right. So that's and that's what I'm saying about Democrats putting everybody because of their skin color. It's intersectionality. Into the same category. They go, oh, well, illegal immigrants and Latinos, they probably all have the same mindset. Yeah. So we're going to treat them all the same as aggrieved immigrants. Yeah. Inter- and so they're going to do exactly what we we said they were going to do. And we have we take their vote for granted. Intersectionality just seems to be another way of defining prejudice. It's like we want to have prejudiced views about these people, everybody in this category. So you put everybody in the category and the people in this category are like this and people in this category are like this and people in this category are like that. And they categorized people by race, by gender and by like sexuality, sexuality. And it's like, okay, so now let's make broad, generalized statements about these groups that we've created and then apply our whatever to it. And then act shocked whenever they're like, we're not exactly like that, guys. Yeah, huge shock. Americans are a little rebellious. We don't like being put in boxes. And when we do get put in one, we tend to rebel against the box. And that is exactly what you're describing here with Democrats doing. 
They've been doing it for a long time. And you're seeing it not just in Latino voters. You're seeing it across demographics. You're seeing with especially black male voters yeah. uh, really moving toward Trump. Now, I don't think we're we're over the 50 percent no. mark here. But when you talk about just this group that they poll moving over that 50 percent mark, that is a massive shift in the span of 10 years for one group. And of course, you know, we can talk about not putting people in demographic boxes when they do polling. That's literally what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to see just the shift among people groups in yeah, general. But, but whenever they're polling, they're asking these people, they're what like, do you think? What do you, what, they're not telling you know, them what to yeah, think. They're not assigning a, anything to these people. They're saying, hey, what are your concerns? They're, they're asking that question. And so it turns out that the Democrats' ideas of what a Latino voter is is way off base. And so when you hear, and I'm sure you've heard this, I've heard this, I definitely think it's something to consider and something worth paying attention to in the 2024 election, that when you hear that middle-class white suburban women are still not fans of Trump, well, we can say all day that, yeah, but they're not fans of Biden either, and that's Man. probably true, but the amount that, that these groups that are moving even if you have certain groups that still just don't love Trump, if you have a 15 point or more swing among the Latino vote, just for example, that more than offsets any yeah. question marks you might have about other groups. Well, and to the suburban white women voting group, those women that have sons that are of or that will be closing in on military age, if we go into a shooting war, there will be a seismic shift away from Biden because they're. They care about their family, and they will care about their sons going to war. Man, we haven't even talked about that yet today. We've had some great guests, but we have not addressed the drone strike. We haven't addressed what senators are talking about with Iran. Um, that's pretty big stuff. We'll probably cover that here shortly. Thank you for the reminder. We'll get to that just after 2 o'clock. Also, a quick reminder. I'm giving you a little hint here. We're giving away Jordan Peterson tickets for uh, February 14th is the date. But we're going to give you a, a pair of tickets just after probably like around the end of the next segment. So that's not an exact time, but that gives you a pretty good time to be listening and wait, be the right caller. You get a pair of tickets to see Jordan Peterson. That'll be pretty cool. So we'll come back right after the top of the hour here. I'm Ryan Wiggins filling in for Annie, who just last minute had to run because of a sick kid. It happens. It's life. We're just on the radio. We got to deal with it differently. That's what we do. This is the Annie Fry Show still. This is Ryan Wiggins. This is 97.1 FM Talk. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.